0: Welcome to Drinking With Authors. I am your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today is the Now With Red Hair. Like the, the biggest changeup we have on this show, besides format recently, is Beau's hair. It is now red and orange and it's beautiful. So welcome, Beau. And our guest today is Katie Cross. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. I'm so we're, we're excited to have you. Okay, let's talk about what we're drinking so I found the coolest thing. It is hibiscus lavender ginger's revenge. Oh. So it is an alcoholic hibiscus lavender bright and tart with notes of honey, lavender and vanilla. And it's alcoholic. It I can't even read. Oh, four percent, seven percent, four points, whatever. Anyway, um, this is my first time trying it. I hope it's
1: amazing. But Beau, what are you drinking? Your, your drink has a lot of flavors in there. I'm, that it's was a lot. It's pretty good, actually. It's <laughs> perfect. Ooh. Oh, there's the
0: hibiscus. Okay, the <laughs> hibiscus is definitely in there. Very flowery. Bo, what are you
1: drinking? I just have a coffee in a mug that also matches my hair. You know did how you? I have
0: to match. It actually does. Yeah. I was going to say, did you do that on purpose?
1: No, I just noticed it while I was taking a sip a couple minutes ago. I was like, oh, good job, me. <laughs>
2: I have very posh green tea. It's this. Have you guys ever seen this? It comes in like a tin. It's H T. It's like Harney and Sons fine teas. It's really posh. Oh wow. Yes. Very I fun. actually
0: am drinking the uh something, uh London Bridge something version <laughs> of that tea right now. London Bridge, not right now, not right now, but yes. A friend of mine gave me a purple tin of the London Bridge version of that tea. Yeah. I think I like the tin as much as I like the tea. <laughs> oh, I love the tin. So I am currently on a forbidden list from my other half. My boyfriend has forbidden me from buying A, any more teas, B, any more coffee cups, or C, any more soaps. Dump him. <laughs> I have like 35 bars of natural soaps from different people that create them. A minimum of 35. I think there's more. Um I have two drawers and I I mean like drawers full of tea and I have decorative coffee mug hangers and two shelves of coffee mugs. And he's like, you don't use them. And I'm like, but they're funny. He's like, (laughs) that's it. If one comes in, one goes out. So that's the rule. Like if I if I some acquire soap, soap leaves the building. I have to give it to somebody. He's like, no more. This is ridiculous. And you're like a hoarder for weird crap. And so <laughs> Yeah. But like in the
2: apocalypse, you'll be set.
0: I mean I'm, I'm
2: gonna be, so be if, you need, <laughs>
0: if you need soap, tea, or have to drink the tea from, come to me during the apocalypse. I'll be good. And that's a bargaining chip too. Like
2: everyone's gonna want soap and deodorant. So then you can yeah, get Oh them.
0: that's mm-hmm. true. I will try to make this argument, Katie, and see how much of my soap is given away to friends. <laughs> I, I think that's what's gonna happen. Okay, so for the <laughs> I love this show. Um for the audience at large, what do you write? I write young adult fantasy
2: in a medieval secondary fantasy world. So it's a little bit, uh, I hate saying Harry Potter because it's so different, but it's like more of a medieval Harry Potter in that it has like magical use and creatures and friendships and schools, like magical schools and that kind of thing. But it's a medieval setting.
0: I love that idea. It's okay to draw, you know, similarities. So people go, I like Harry Potter. I'll like her books. Like, you, you sometimes have to do that. Like the amount of people that reference um, Court of Thorn and Roses. Like, no,
2: that's true. That's true. I mean,
0: if 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 I had a nickel for every time I saw on a book, Facebook or Instagram going, my book's like Court of Roses. I'm like, apparently there are millions of there books are all of Court of, Thorn.
1: Court of Thorn and Roses. Everyone, Everyone is Court of Thorn and Roses. And I'm and like- Most of them are not like it. So it's it's really odd that they reference it. Yeah. I
2: think, I think when you're like referencing the big elephant in the room though, it feels a little less. Oh yeah. It feels yeah. like watered down. Cause then you're like, well, everyone wants to be Harry Potter. It's not that I'm trying to be Harry Potter. It's that I'm trying to like, let people know if you like this, you like this. But then like with Court of Throne and Roses, it's like, well, everyone says that, you know, so it just yeah, gets yeah. watered down.
0: Well, you know, what's interesting. I was just having this conversation this morning pre-drinking, about our AI overlords. I talk about this a lot now because it is so all over our existence as in in terms of social media. And the truth is your your book could be similar that it has a school and similar that it has magic. Those are two touch points, right? But people, um, the way the AI overlords look, they're not reading your book. So if you don't, Kind of go, hey, it's like this or like these characters or I would cast this person as it or like there's a few things there that if you don't do that, um, because they are so prevalent on socials, right, you link to them and you can jump on what the AI is spreading in the world. If you just keep it by yourself and cocooned, you're not going to get out there as much because the AI is thinking for you now as bad as that sounds, it is thinking for us on what we want to see. And people haven't even realized it. Like yeah. you look, and for instance, um, I'm friends with Jonathan Mayberry on Facebook. And I was re- thinking the other day, cause I'm working on a horror book right now. Um, I was thinking the other day, I'm like, Oh my God, when was his last AMA? He does AMAs like Facebook live AMAs all the time. I never see them anymore. I scrolled back through my feed and after you know, about a half an hour is like, I can't do this anymore. And I was back like three months and nothing from him. And you don't think about that. The, yeah. the AI is telling you who you want to talk to and what you want to talk about and what you want to see. So you have to um, assist your AI overlords in doing that. So anyway. it's a
2: little fixy. I like yeah, that you have to
0: go Harry Potter. And as much as it's not exactly the same. The AI goes, Oh, I know what to do with people who like Harry Potter.
2: It is same <laughs> enough, right? It is same enough. When I was running a lot of advertising, I used that comparison all the time because then I found the people that would love my book. But after a while, it just is like, oh, I don't know, you know, like should I No, it's hard,
0: but unfortunately, that's the that's the the demon yeah. that floats uh, above us. You know, it used to be that the top five publishers were the demon, they were the gateway, and if you didn't get into them, blah, blah, blah. You will just self-publish. <laughs> but now it's like the AI overlords are, no, they're not even being maniacal about it. They're just like, what is this piece of data? What is this other piece of data? <laughs> we can do data. Um, by the way, they don't sound like that. So they AI might. Alerts, they if you're listening, if, if you <laughs> like it, good. If not, I heart you very much. And I have soap and stuff for when you get <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was going to come back in. I yes. knew that.
1: <laughs> so just when did welcome. you
2: begin... Um, writing. So I remember writing my first story in first grade. I had like a journal and I'd like write down all these stories and I loved it. And then I was a pretty social kid. I mean, I was insecure and shy like anyone, but I really loved writing. And we had this like extra super old computer back when they were like giant, like the size of a microwave, (laughs) like a microwave now. And I would just write all these stories. I probably had like 200 different stories I'd start and stop. And one was like hundred pages and some of it was fan fiction. Other was just like, oh, I saw this movie and I want to write a different version of it. And I never, ever thought of it as a career. It's just something I did. And then I never told anyone. I think a lot of authors can relate to this. It's like our secret hidden heart. Like, oh, no one can read our book. No one can know we do this.
0: I like imposter syndrome over it. It's, I was going to say that is, that is imposter syndrome 101 right there. Yeah. It is like first level
2: imposter syndrome, right? Like there's imposter syndrome at every level. So I went to school and got my nursing degree and I traveled the world and I had a great time. And then when I was like 25 or something, I married the army and that everyone, I'll never forget this. I say this all the time. Everyone told me, well, when you marry the military, like he's going to be gone all the time. He's going to miss blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, I don't really care about that. That's fine. I can do a birthday without my husband. But like no one warned me, hey, this is going to ruin your career. Cause I was a charge nurse and I worked in a children's unit, unit and I loved it and then I we had to move like every six months and my nursing license didn't always transfer from state to state and so I was in Southern Alabama after living like in the mountains in the Intermountain West my whole life. It's sweltering hot. It's summer. I had no job, no prospects for a job. I was like, what am I going to do? <laughs> so we got a puppy and I started being like, well, I've been writing my whole life for fun. Like even as an adult, I would write. Um, I was like, well, we'll just try this out. And I wrote a book and it was awful and it will never see the light of day. And I started writing another book and it was good. And then it got better. And, long story short i decided to self publish it in 2014 and it had a fantastic launch and then i was like cool second book but then i was working as a home health nurse which i didn't love but it was better than nothing and then i just started going and i'm i've written over 70 to 75 books now and yeah. i would yeah i went writing full time a couple years after i first published my first
0: book so that is a ridiculous amount of books. So <laughs> Isn't it stupid? I actually think it's an obscene amount of books. I think yeah. if I say the word obscene, it's not an incorrect descriptor for the amount of books. It's so scary. you have, I'm going to assume, I'm going to do a lot of assumption right here, mainly because this 4.7 is hitting me a little harder during the day than I thought it was. But, <laughs> like I'm feeling and I'm not even you. that far into this. <laughs>
1: Oh, you know, it's probably the
0: ginger. It's the ginger. Okay. Um, but you have to have come up with a formula then, in a way, for writing these books. Like, and not like they're formula books. That's not an insult at all. But in order to sit down and generate that much work, there's got to be a little bit of like this is this is how you do it. There, there was a song representation <laughs> for you. So, um, I went very well, 80s on that one.
2: So some of those books are short stories, right? So these are titles, not like pledged okay. fantasy novels. I would say there's probably, um, of the 75, like 20 or either 90,000 word short story collections or short stories themselves or novellas that are anywhere from 30 to 60,000, right? So mm-hmm. m- the gist of it, like the the bulk of it is novels, but the, there are some smaller titles because I have... A series called the reader's request series where my readers can request short stories and then i write them and launch them you know so i have stuff like that but i think the best word for this is actually system so i have a system for how i produce my books and then i have a team that helps me so let me like further blow your mind here it's it's not just that i have that many books but i do a book a month and sometimes two books a month. So the first Friday of every month, I launch a seventy to ninety thousand word novel.
1: What? It's actual fuck. Wait, hold <laughs> oh, My brain God. is falling out of my ears right now. <laughs> I'm I, I, sorry. I You're gonna have to repeat that. Did what? Yeah.
2: So the first Friday of the month, and sometimes the third Friday of every second or third month, I launch a new title. So there's a new novel the first Friday, and then there's like a 10,000-word short story that will come out every two to three months on the third Friday. So it's a system, but let me dive in. Let me dive in. So... First of all, I've been doing this for 10 years. Wait a minute. I-, I just need to see how much alcohol is because
0: <laughs> I think I'm hallucinating at this point. I'm, I can have magic in my green tea. My <laughs> oh my I, okay. I'm just gonna I'm gonna just sip this. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> it's gonna get better if you get drunker. <laughs> I'm, it's gonna get more believable to me as I get drunker, but I know it's true. I'm just Yes. I'm like reeling. I wasn't prepared for any of this. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I get that, I get that a lot. Don't worry.
2: <laughs> um, so I approach my author career as an entrepreneur first and a creative second, right? Okay. I, I love running my business, but I also really like money. <laughs> and so, well, like in running a company, you have systems, right? Like you set okay. up systems in your company. And I. One day was looking at like, how am I going to make more money? How am I going to bring not just more money, but there are stories I really want to bring in the world. And I have so many ideas that I I literally can't keep up with them. And I was like, this isn't working. I have too many ideas. Like I need to get these out faster. And my readers were requesting them left and right. I have a really, really connected relationship with my readers. So I was like, I want to do a launch a month. Like I think that could be really cool. And so I started to make a plan for it and like a system, and I eased into it over like a year. And now and now it's purring like an engine. Like we just have the system that we got every month. So I've been doing it for 10 years. I'm a fast writer and I worked into that, right? So okay. I used to write like 1,500 words an hour, and I average about 3,200 words an hour now. Like I sit down wow. and I write 3,200 words on average. Sometimes it's 2,600, sometimes it's 35 because I don't do anything else. So I just have all of these systems that I've baked into it. So the, so I like the certain, like from like the 10th to the 19th, every month I'm first drafting from the 20th to the 27th, I'm second drafting from the 28th to the 30th or 31st, I'm third drafting. And it goes to editing on the first of every single month. And then on the twith- 25th of every single month, my editing team gets the previous month's book back to me. And I finalize it from days like one to six and then days seven to 10, I'm audiobook recording every single month. Like, that's just how I do it. Just boom.
0: I just do it. And so I know. I, I first of all, fucking massive high five virtually for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love how you've done that because as a business owner, right. Um, uh I have the publication it is all about I actually it's so funny we're having this conversation today I was having this conversation with somebody because there's a whole reddit chain right now about um It's I think it's called over overworking or something like that, but it's about having two jobs, full time jobs at the same time. And the two employers don't know that you have the jobs because Mm. they're not doing enough for their employees. They're not requiring enough, enough metrics to work. So some people have two. Some people have three. Some people have four full time jobs going all at the same time because the employers are like not paying attention. And I was so I was talking about this to a friend of mine. Because she literally asked me, she's bored to death at her job and stuff like that. And she's like, what do you think if I did this? And I gave her, I, I'm like, okay, here's the CEO side of me telling you what I think. Here's the HR side of you, me from a business angle telling you what I think. Here's the HR side who fucking hates to see employees treated terribly telling you what I think. And then here's your, you know, lifelong friend telling you what I think you should do. I'm like, I got to give you every angle because I can have every angle on this. But One of the things I told her is, you know, when I look at things, everything is built on a metrics, right? It's built on, like, if you're paying contractors and stuff, you expect them to do X things in X amount of time. With employees, and kind of to your point, if you want to hit this target over here, you have to go, what needs to be done before that? And you have to go, this is what I'm requiring you to get done before this thing happens. Now, you can be a total dick and go, I'm going to micromanage you, or you can go, if this then doesn't happen, we're going to go back for a fail. Like what the hell broke that you didn't hit this target, right? Because I'm not, you know, micromanaging. But you said something that I think authors, regardless if you have a full-time job or you're doing it full-time, need to realize, like, you have to program this out. You have to know what's happening at what point in time to accomplish your goals. Because yeah. if you're just kind of like, okay, I was going to write a little bit today. Oh, wait, my tummy doesn't feel great. I'm going to, you know, you're not going to get your fucking book written. Oh yeah, you have to work back, and yeah. I have to re like align
2: every day to week. Like today, it's like no matter what happens, I have to write twelve thousand words. No matter what happens, like period, end of story. And that means I have to write fifteen thousand words tomorrow because I have a very specific deadline that has to be met by tomorrow night. So there's a couple times where it's like, well, it's my first day back to work in a couple of days, and it was a week, and I'm like, too bad. <laughs> like you got like these words have to get written. So yeah, you're you're constantly just in that like process. Like you just know that there's a process to do it. The funny thing is this is, I get this pushback all the time. People say, <laughs> they they say, if I did that, my writing would suck. Like I would not be able to write that much. And this is what I, it always makes me laugh. Do you see so, my look. This is
0: my I, look. I know. <laughs> I Nobody about- can see my look right now. That's listening to this, but if nothing else, go to YouTube, scroll and just look at my look, which is yeah. It's first of all, passive aggressive,
2: right? Because I'm like, okay, I see what shade you're throwing. I pick it up and I reject it. But also, I thought about it, it's like, let's put this in like business terms. I like to look at everything in my company as if it were not in publishing, right? So I was like, when I was a nurse, if someone told me you should really take more breaks from nursing, because the more you do it, the more you're going to suck at your skill level. <laughs> like, that's insane. Like yeah. I got better as I, was, as I did the skills as, as a nurse and I would work for 16 to 18 hours sometimes, but writers, sometimes we sit down and we're like, I, I can only write for 30 minutes today. I'm like, oh my gosh, can you imagine if I went into my job as a church nurse? I was like, I'm just feeling an hour. <laughs>
0: That's so ridiculous. You know, I'm thinking 45 minutes, like, but only three patients. So like, if you have more <laughs> than that, I can't do it and you know that that's when you go okay are you serious about doing this because I say all the time you have to treat it like a job and Mm -hmm. you know wherever you find your inspiration you may have to change where you find your inspiration or how you do it like recently I hit a thing because I'm very much a pantser I'm very much kind of whatever and I actually went to somebody and I had to go I have to change this slightly I'm not I'm not you know, I don't outline, I don't do all that stuff now, but I had to change my technique slightly to go a little farther away from absolute pantser because in order to get what I needed done in time, I was like, I need to alter what I'm doing. Yeah. I have to do this because it wasn't ideas to me. It was just organization. And I think you're completely true that you can't approach it. So then if somebody goes, yeah, I want to take five years to write a book, good. This is an absolute hobby for you. Yeah. And that's all it is
1: right you and can't awesome. write just because the vibes are good the vibes are sometimes not going to be good and you might not want to write but you still have to do it because you have to get your time in
2: well and I Some think
1: people are like this like they romanticize the process
2: I think we should it's change not romantic. like inspiration to energy yeah like I yeah. think like the muse is garbage Like no one has time to sit around and wait for the muse, like just make a decision already, like just just go and like actually make the decisions and make it happen. And yeah, maybe people think they're looking for inspiration, but maybe they just need to figure out where does my energy come from so that I have that creative energy to do this. But even then, like Bo said, there's days where you just have
0: to do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I I love that you said that. There are authors right now throwing tomatoes at their phones because, you know, um, but I I I think that's fantastic. So that's, so let's talk about, so are all of these stories is everything in the same universe or are there different universes? This is a lot of work. So.
2: Yeah. So it's all set in the fantasy world of Alcara. So 55 plus books are in Alcara. And then I, I was also writing in contemporary romance. It was sort of a fluke. And I stopped that a while ago just to focus fully on fantasy. Cause I found I was, I could not be wholly successful to my readers and fulfill all my promises the way I wanted. By splitting genres, some people do it beautifully. It just didn't work for me. And fantasy is like my true heart's desire. So I focus just on Alcara, and publish in that. So right now I'm in the middle of a ten book series that my readers ask for, and then I'll I'll do a couple standalones in Alcara that they're asking for, and then I'll move to like this other series that I'm doing. So I just stay in my fantasy world.
0: I know that's fantastic. So um, is a are you you're hundred percent self published then? Yes. Yes, totally.
2: I never even tried traditional. I looked at the options 10 years ago and I was like, nope, <laughs> like this one's for me. Just because it would have taken too long. And I just like moved too fast. I know that sounds really surprising to all of you.
0: I just moved too well, fast. With the amount you're, you're writing. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> what is your what deal there? What is your deal? So, I think self-publishing was a good fit
2: for me because I love the entrepreneur side of it <clears throat> and I just really love being able to like throw new ideas out and say, "Well, let's try this. Let's try this. What do the readers want? Let's do this." And so we'll just throw we'll throw a Google Form out, people tell us exactly what they want us to make and so we'll make that product and Lo and behold, lots of people buy it because it's like the product they wanted, you know, and it happens to be I'll write anything in Alcara. So I wouldn't have had that flexibility with traditional publishing. And even though I didn't know I wanted it at the time, I think I, I trusted my instincts enough to know that just wasn't the path for me and that this is not the path I have is not the path for everyone else. I have a lot of friends who are like, I have no desire to run a business. And I'm like, yeah, that's not a good fit for you.
0: <laughs> like- well, it, you're saying that, but this is something that every author needs to know. The moment you publish a book, unless it's a hobby and you think it's cute and you don't give a shit what happens with that book, other than your best friend Sarah buying it, um, then uh, you're running a fucking business. Because it doesn't yeah. matter how you get published, you're running yeah. a fucking business. Yeah. You have to look at it from that viewpoint. Now, whether or not you want a mega corporation like you've created and stuff, that's that's different. But regardless, it's a business, whether it's a tiny business and or if it's a bigger business. And I'm not saying you know, publishing house, I'm saying you've become your own publishing house. I was looking at statistics the other day because I'm putting together something and I was looking at what amount of titles some of the like newer, smaller comedian publishers are putting out there, not necessarily the big guys. And there's a couple that had these articles that were like, this person
1: published, you know, 32 books this year. And it was so amazing. Is it oh, okay? No. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting. I was like, Erica, where are you? She would tell me to keep going. So I want to hear about your typical writing day since wait, it I must be very. Not. Oh, is she oh, Did I? Oh, sorry. No, I, was going on a,
0: I was going on a rampage about, you know, <laughs> that have like 32 titles out and they're getting all these awards for it. And I'm like, you should sneeze and put 32 fucking titles out in a year. What are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> Yeah, what? how many authors do you have five what are you working with it anyway um but i realize i'm sorry my mountain internet there's storms up here i apologize greatly um i would like to take a quick break though and we'll be right back hey listeners you know me eric lance you're just listening to me in the podcast that you have but guess what i'm doing something new Yeah, she's joining me, Mark Muncy, the author of the Eerie Florida book series in Erie Appalachia. And we are hosting a new podcast called Eerie Travels. Woo woo, Eerie Travels, which covers things like ghosts, cryptids, weird stuff, UFOs, men in black, all kinds of fun things that people talk about. And I'm sure you've discussed with friends. Yep. And you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform of choice or find us at eerie travels.com and join in the fun and all the spooky goodness. And of course, Mark, what do we always say? We'll see you on the other side. With a lighting change, we are back. Okay. So Bo, you were asking a question while I went blank in anyway, what was happening there?
1: I wanted to know what her typical writing day looks like, since it must be very regimented and you must be like the Stephen King thing where you're like, I write eight hours a day no matter what is going on. Like, I need to hit my word count. So what does it look like for you? Well,
2: I mean, realistically, I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old and it's summer, mm-hmm. right? So I think desperation is the permeating word on my work day right now. <laughs> um,
1: I, I feel you. I feel you. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So honestly, it is a lot like that. I have my business tasks like down to an art where I can do like the recurring business things that need to be done every day in about an hour. I call it my business hour. And that's like emails, managing the team messages. I get on Facebook and Instagram for 10 minutes each and interact, you know, contracts of whatever I need to do, I can usually do in about an hour. And then I don't go back to email and I don't go back to Facebook and I just write... (laughs) So I'll set an hour timer and then I won't do anything else but that. I'm actually standing in my kitchen, as you can see, and I'll just like stand here and type. And then I take a 10-minute break. I write for another hour. I might go for a hike, write for another hour, take a break, write for another hour. And then usually after about four hours, I can hit the writing goal for the day and I close my computer and I'm a mom. And that's really kind of what it comes down to on a perfect day, right? So, like, so yes, like Saturday, it was like, Kid, like, me, like texting my my friends, like, can you bring your kid over so they'll entertain mine? <laughs> and there's like children running around screaming, shooting each other while I'm like frantically trying to get my word count in. You know, that happens too. Or I'm not a late night person. I'm an early morning person. So a lot of the time I get up at four in the morning because I love early mornings and I can get a couple hours work done. than if the kids and I are going to the fair or something really fun that day. Right. So- yeah, it sounds regimented. And it is regimented in that I know what I need to get done. And I'm mm-hmm. like, the writing is king. So the writing gets done no matter what. But it's very fluid how that'll happen on a day-to-day basis, which is good because I don't feel creative and excited about regimented stuff. But I do love knowing my target. So it's like, I have 12 hours to get 12,000 words in Scrivener. How am I going to do this? And that's kind of fun. It's like a big challenge every day.
0: Well, and I, you know, I think that order though can also be kind of calming mm-hmm. because if you know your target, it's much easier to hit your target. Yes. You know, and I'm quite sure that every word you write isn't perfect, and I'm sure there are days you go back and you're like, what the, <laughs> what, what? These are just sounds. These aren't even words. Like, what is all this <laughs> English? <Jewish>. Yeah. Not- <laughs> You're like, this looks like Klingon. What did I write? You know, (laughs) but the fact that you're doing it and getting it done, I mean, a lot of authors that are very prolific, like yourself, are talk about that. Like you're going to, you know, do words. But as long as you go this many, and it doesn't have to be the many that you're talking about, which is the 3,200, you could go, I need to write a thousand words per day, which to some people might sound like a lot of words. It's not a lot of words. A thousand words is not a lot of words. So goes, figure okay. out and get faster, like running, get faster, at writing a thousand words. And then if you have your time shortened because you're getting faster at it, then you go, okay, now I'm going to write 1250 words until you get that to a speed. And then like that, I'm sure that's how you ramped up. Right. Cause you weren't just oh, yeah. like, oh, I'm writing 3,200 words. Cause you know <laughs> that I'm just like, dear God, I can't even do that. But then I, I know people that can, and I'm always thoroughly impressed. And that's why I was like, I need to change my technique because I need to be able to write 3,200 words. How do I do that? Yeah.
1: You well, know? It happens
2: over time, right? Like I've been tracking how many words I write per hour for in a spreadsheet, right? So that I can see, oh, I used to average 2,400 and, and you know, a high day was 3000 and now a high day is 3,700 or high hour, you know? So it's like, you can kind of see it evolve over time. And I think part of that is I just started trusting myself because I was doing so much writing. I started trusting myself and I got out of the way of the story. That's the other thing I tell my readers all the time is I was like, I'm just the person that like, I'm not in charge here. Alcara is right. Like my fantasy world is always giving me ideas. There's always stuff coming to me. I was like, I'm just the person that gets out of the way. So that the story can come out. So the more I write and the more I lean into it, the easier it gets. And so those words just flow more freely because I, I trust myself and the stories. So mm. I think there's a lot of mindset in it. There's
0: just a lot of mindset. I love that. Um, I want to talk a little bit because you talked about fan interaction on stories. I think this is so vital for authors out there. We have an idea and there's a story we want to tell, but, you know, almost every other kind of industry does this in a way, like the TV industry does this. Then we start on the movie industry because they just keep repeating the same movies. But, um, you know, there is a look that you go, what do the fans actually want? And I'm not saying you have to only write what the fans are saying, right? obviously, right? But if you're like, I want to go this direction, and all of the fans, for the most part, are going, can you go this direction with it? And you go, no, screw you, I'm going to go this direction. I, I think the fans are a lot more less committed in a way, like they'll follow you for a bit down the path you're going. But after a while, they'll be like, you know, there's a there's another train. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on this other thing over here because I just I don't you know I've I've seen the plains of Oklahoma. I don't need to go anymore. I'm good. <laughs> you know, like, I think that happens. And is that why you're being so agile? I like using the word agile, and you're willing to pivot to change the direction of where you're going based on reader feedback. I think so. I think also
2: I've been very careful to like create and brand my stories in a world I I would never want to leave. I was talking to a producer the other day and he was like, So you have 55 books, where does this end? And I was like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) And he's like, Well, like, when are you going to stop producing books in Alcara? And I was like, Why would I stop producing books in Alcara? He's like, So we like, there's this awkward like (laughs) pause between us. And he was like, Well, so I realized I was like, Look, if, Like if my readers want me to go outside of Alcara and it's a world that I would be excited to go into, I will. But I mean, we're at least going to have a hundred books, but I don't see a reason to limit this. And Mm -hmm. it's because I would always want to be in this fantasy world that I created. There's like trees so big, the sequoias wouldn't even rank. Like, you know, it's just very magical. And, and I've branded my entire company. It's my, my, Grand promise basically is um, epic magic, wild places. So anyone that loves big magic and wild places is going to love my books, and that's where I live and that's what I love. So for me, it's it's really intuitive to say no matter what you want, I'm going to want to write it. And so let's give you what you want, so you get the escapism and courage that you need from these books. But also, you know, I take reader requests and feedback, and I say what stories do you want? But they're going to want stories that I've guided them to right? So they're like secondary characters that have like a subtle romance that maybe something's happening, but it's not the whole point of the book. So you don't know what happens. So of course, they're like, we want that story. Or I want more on this character. And it's characters that I love too, because they love them. So it's not a hardship (laughs) to then figure out like, oh, you want more of this? You want more of this? You want more of this? Let's do it. Let's do it together. It's going to be fun. And then when I actually have them vote, because they'll submit stories to a form we'll sort through them and then we'll put it up for vote and we pick the ones that are most popular. The only ones I put up are ones I want to write. So I don't like, I'm not going to put up a story that I'm like, I'm not excited about that. I'm not going to put that up for them to vote on. And there probably is there's never been a story that I haven't wanted to write that readers have asked me for. So I think it's not as scary as it sounds.
0: Well, I, I think because you have the right mindset, it's not as scary as it sounds. Yeah. We talked a lot on this podcast about characters we add in to move a plot along They're plot moving characters. Like we need this couple to have a romance because it's pivotal to get us to the very land of blah. Right. Like, and so sometimes I think authors, you know, and I've been guilty of this too. We almost have sort of throwaway characters that we're not invested in because they were there to do an action in the thing that the audience then goes, I love that. And you're like. Who (laughs) You almost have to do control fine to go, who the fuck are they talking about? Right. And then, you know, so I think it's neat, though, that you take the mindset that, I mean, first of all, there is stuff. I don't think every author should just write to the audience. Like, I don't think that should be the case. But you have a fan. You have a number of fans. These are the people that are going to continue buying your book. So, if they like, for instance, your fairy storyline versus your werewolf storyline, right? And that's where the outpour is. And you like your fairies, write your fairies because that's what they want to see. That's not saying you can't ever write your werewolves, but you know, if the fans are like fairies, fair-, give them the fucking fairies, like, but yeah. do it well and want to do it because we've seen a lot of authors that have been forced to write stuff because you know, whatever. And they, they, they didn't decide something about it that they could love to put themselves into the story. And you can, Oh my God, I don't know about you, but I can fucking read when an author was not, Mm -hmm. not interested in writing that fucking story. You can can how well done it is. You can fucking tell they didn't want to write it.
2: Yeah. So, so true. Uh, Yes. Like preach (laughs) everything.
0: (laughs) Okay. Bo because we're gonna do literary brief soon, I'm gonna let you ask a couple questions. Because okay. format change, hashtag. Format. I want to
1: hear more about your fantasy world, like your favorite things about it.
0: Yeah. So,
2: my favorite thing about Alcara is a place called Litem Wood, and that's where there's these giant trees that, are like, sequoia-like, but even bigger. And it's it's always a challenge in the medieval worlds, be like, how do I impart scale? Without like, <laughs> like you, without know.
1: saying sequoia trees,
2: right? Like you know, like how do you impart scale? So it's fun. I mean, these trees, like their trunks are the widths of houses. Like they're just double houses. They're just huge. And this forest is always has all these creatures. There's forest dragons. There's there's some witches. Sometimes it's it has like its own magic. It's very alive. It's also very nefarious. There's trolls and a creature I made it named Baluas. And because my big theme is always um, epic magic wild places, we have like a lot of wild places like that that take on like magical characteristics. But I think Leadham Wood is my favorite because it holds the forest dragons and all of the favorite characters that kind of start the story. And it, for me, is like this breeding ground of possibility. Like what else can come out of Leadham Wood, right? Like what can we put in there? Like what does it look like? And I live in the mountains in Montana. I'm really like an outdoor, we're just an outdoorsy people. And so I feel like I'm just constantly fueling my desire to write and live in Alcara by the environment I live in here. And a lot of it is the forest. Like I just, I love to trail run. My husband and I do a lot of hiking and trail running and outdoor stuff with our kids. And that just keeps Leadham Wood alive for me in a really visceral way. So when I think of Alcara, I really think of Ledham Wood and how much I love it, even though it's a small part of many kingdoms in the world.
1: Why did you choose YA? What drew you to that? I don't know.
2: I think it chose me. Like the story just kind of came, right? It's about Mm. my first book that I wrote that started Alcara was Bianca Monroe. She's 16, she's inherited a curse, and she's fighting for her life against the head witch of Miss Mabel School for Girls. That's my flagship story. It's my most popular. And I think there's something in that shift of life around that, like you know, you're aging out of teenage, you're into adulthood, you don't really know anything yet. I think that's just rife for magic Mm -hmm. and plots and just so many things happening. And so many people love that. So I think I was just really naturally drawn there. And I've just stayed there because it's, that's what my audience loves. It's what I love. And, you know, we kind of venture back and forth. Like I have characters Mm -hmm. that are in their fifties. I have characters that are younger. I have, you know, like lots of different things, but keeping that Transitional life, feel that young adult feel has just felt really natural.
0: How are you keeping time in your universe? Because um people age, so that's a thing. And I love what you said about not knowing things, but teenagers do think they know everything. And it's not a slight <laughs> at teenagers. I've had them, I've worked with them. There is definitely like a certainty that comes with a teenager. That you don't necessarily have with adults all the time. And it can be the same human you're meeting later in life, but as a teenager, they had a certainty, whether yep. it was accurate <laughs> or not, of what they know. So, how do you keep time though? So I
2: decided to keep Alcara on a similar seasonal calendar, like this here. So it's a year. I mean, if we're talking actual time, it's a year we do like first, second, third month of winter, first, second, third month of spring. That's kind of how they calculate it. And it's, uh, it's fairly similar to earth in that regard, just cause I didn't want to complicate it for me, <laughs> mm-hmm. like in any other way for a while. I had always pictured their week as six days long instead of seven, but then way too long into that I thought that through and I was like oh no that cuts out like a lot of days that means they're actually like aging differently and like the year runs differently and I was like oh no <laughs> but I, I don't think I'd like written that down anywhere I think it's always just in my head so I think I've been able to get away with it just being a seven-day week because mm-hmm. I was like no it's gonna be six days and I'm like oh wait there's big implications there <laughs> so yeah I tried to keep it as simple as I could but, but while still standing on its own
0: Okay, cool. Cool. Okay. We're going to go into our literary briefs. Are you ready? Are you ready? (laughs) What is your favorite book of all time?
2: Oh my gosh. This question has given me so much anxiety because I knew it was coming and I was like, how do we, how do we freaking pick this? Like 8 billion of them. I don't know. (laughs) Um, my first thought that always comes to my head is Laura Ingalls Wilder, like any of Laura Ingalls Wilder. I love the Little House on the Prairie series. That was really for like foundational for me in, in love of books. But so was like The Last Unicorn. And I'm reading Earthsea by Ursula K. Le Guin. And I'm pretty much obsessed with that. And I just finished Book of a Thousand Days by Shannon Hale. So I don't know, like, all of
1: them. <laughs> no,
0: and I think we all have a lot of favorites. I always look and go like, I have a ton of favorites, but I go, what is what is a book I always go back to? What is a book that I think of that had an impact and stuff like that uh, in my life? I mean, I read new books all the time too and get favorites and get things. I think that's inherent, but I think there's always a book that we can go back to and it's like, a comfort place to yeah, us. Yeah, I would
2: say the comfort read is definitely Laura Ingalls Wilder. Like if mm-hmm. I like the first thing that comes in my head when people ask me that, I always say the the Little House on the Prairie series. Just that whole thing is like that comfort foundational read. I could I would read that over and over again as a little girl. I really liked it. Um and then the Libba Bray series or the Gemma Doyle series by Libba Bray. That's another foundational that I own it. We were military, right? So we moved all the time. Mm-hmm. So, I didn't really want to haul books everywhere. So, over time, I've whittled down how many books I own to the ones I deeply loved that changed me. And both of those series are on my shelf.
0: That is really awesome. No, it's true. I'll tell you move, move, and you decide. You have one of two views I've discovered if you have a shit ton of books. You just are resigned to pack every fucking thing in a box and not even look at it. You're just going to do that. Or you go, what the fuck happened? And you start like, (laughs) major library donations and stuff.
1: Um,
0: okay. What about your least favorite? Your least favorite. I mean,
2: anything clinical, like probably like Grey's Anatomy. Like it's amazing and fascinating what they did with that book, but as a nursing student and I've tried to like love and get like that kind of stuff just doesn't engage me. I think anything that doesn't have like a dedicated story, I'm just not going to even bother.
0: I think they should add a story to Grey's Anatomy and see how yeah. that goes for people learning. Things. And by Grey's Anatomy, I think most people would understand. I
2: mean the actual reference book, not like yeah. no, I there. know
0: I'm not talking about the TV show. I'm just like add the story of the spleen to the Grey's Anatomy. And see, Yeah.
1: Her I want to like, know what the spleen is up to. Who's yeah. the spleen in love with? Tell yeah. me. Who's
0: the spleen like romantically involved with, and what's the twist? I want an enemies to lovers. So is it with the liver? Yes. Like what is happening? <laughs> i think the liver and the bile duct have
2: something
1: going on maybe this oh yeah for sure yeah, yeah yeah no that that's true okay bo <laughs> what's your favorite genre that isn't fantasy
2: um probably romance mm-hmm. i do love a good romance there's something sweeping about it you know like getting but it it can be like sticky sweet romance like he's gotta have a little grit in it
0: mm-hmm. so not hometown huh
2: I don't know. I just went on a rant about this on Facebook. I like to read like, I like popcorn romance. It's just like easy and I can put an audiobook on and not think, but it kills me when people represent mountain romances as if they're all in Texas. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like I live in the Montana mountains. I grew up in Idaho. I've lived in Colorado, like, and I have property in Wyoming. So it's like I know the mountains, and we don't say y'all, and we don't have a twang, you know. Like, but I don't think writers pay attention to that. They just are like, oh, it's a ranch in Montana, and it's really pretty, and there's mountains, and they say y'all, and I'm like, unless that character came from Texas, no one here is gonna say that or act that way, or you know that. Sometimes you get that more with like the the hometowny romance where things aren't actually represented well, and it will
0: kind of drive me crazy. Well, oh, this why- is a research thing that authors do terrible at times, like. Yeah. They think instead of going, okay, what does that sound like? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I accents, people don't get accents and don't get there. Some places you can go listen to accents um, where they're so intense that you actually can't necessarily completely understand what the person is saying to you.
2: Yeah. When I lived in Tennessee, I was taking care of a little boy out in the country and I couldn't understand his grandfather. I was like, I know he's speaking English, and I was trying so hard. I really was, but I was like, yeah. And and I finally like turned to the the grandma, and she's like, I'll tell you later. I I felt so bad. I was trying really hard. I legitimately could not understand his accent, like, but it was like deep Tennessee
0: know um, it happens and I think people should research it because that throws you out of the story it, it I it's a pet peeve I have but I also feel it makes it so your story's not going to be remembered if it's too cookie cutter because yeah. yeah like how many audiobooks romance audiobooks can you sit and go oh well no this one was perfect and this one is perfect versus like uh I, I asked somebody one time like what was their favorite they've listened to recently and they're like oh let me look and I'm like you don't even remember the fucking titles of the books, do you? I'm not saying yeah. it's enjoyable. You're not like invested in that author or that series because you're just like, I don't know, it was a raccoon doctor in Mantana. It was something like that. <laughs> Moving on. Like, it, you know, I think Good they were that. Like, you don't even remember like what their job was completely. You're just like, oh, uh, there's, I don't know. I'm quite sure there was a cafe with coffee because there always is in every single fucking one of those books. So yeah. that's true. Well, I think though, too,
2: depending on the genre, there's some power in that, right? Because sometimes I just want that like coffee shop romance or whatever that you just like space out on, and I know who to go to for, even if I don't remember the title. Um, but less and less I look for that. You know, I, I kind of look outside that more now.
1: No, that's true. Okay, Bo, go ahead. Favorite book to movie
2: adaptation? Right now, it's been The Witcher, but that's not really, I mean, it's a show, it's not really a movie. I don't well, know
0: that counts. That yeah, counts. Counts.
2: counts. That's going to change really, in but... season four, but that counts. <laughs> I really liked what they did there um, with the Witcher. I, I think it's just really beautifully done too. And I like what they've done with some of the monsters, even though things are were, things were different in the show than in the book, which is okay. Cause sometimes shows can actually make books better or storylines better. I liked that one. And then the last kingdom, I really, that was a challenging one that I studied on purpose because that's a first person point of view book put into this show that has multiple POVs, which it needs, right? Cause you need to kind of know what's going on from the different characters that you don't see from Uhtred's point of view. And I would read, I've read almost all of the Uhtred books in the Saxon series. I would read them and then I would go watch the show. So I'd read two or three books and then go watch the next season just to study, well, how did they take this first person POV and put it here oh I see what they did because then they had to make up all this stuff that happened in the background that you don't know about in the books until a certain point that was a really fascinating one and I think they made the story better not that I didn't like what Bernard did but I think the story was improved in actually making the show line because they brought so much forward and that's really fascinating
0: what about least favorite oh yeah and then I'm going to tell you my my little problem with the last kingdom and vikings but go ahead Um, I can't think off the top of
2: my head. I don't really watch TV all that much.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: I can't think of one off the top of my head that I've hated. Although I wasn't a huge fan of the early Harry Potter movies. I did like them more later, but I wasn't the biggest fan of the early ones. And I don't know if I can nail down why, but I did like the later ones.
0: So I was watching Vikings, The Last Kingdom, and there's one other show like that. And then Latest season of The Last Kingdom. Not the newest one, but the one right before that came out. And I'm sitting there watching it with the other half. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Who is that? And I realized <laughs> that I had sort of leapfrogged through these shows and seasons in a way. Because they're the same characters. Like, there's Uhtred. And I'm like, who, what, who the fuck is this? Like, it took me, like, literally four shows to re... Like, like a get line <laughs> to where the hell I was and who because I was like, what is even happening? I thought he was dead. Like, it, yeah. like, where's Rolo? And I'm like, wait, that was the others. Like it was ah. Well, and they're like
2: the cinematography is pretty similar too. Like, it I is in the costuming, the yeah,
0: and the casting. Like I felt like those were two series, and there's one other one that I can't think of right now that you know did pretty good and stuff but oh my god uh, you say the last kingdom and i'm thinking i'm sitting there going because <laughs> they're all so <laughs> the, that yeah. that feeling actually happens
2: if you've read the books too because there's i mean there's so many books there's like 10 books or something oh, wow. and they're trying to distill like two books into a series is about what they were trying but there's so much they have to leave out and so i'd be watching like where are they where are they going like they they skipped all of like wait what and i'd have to like figure it out after I'd be like looking at the book, like trying to figure out how they did something. And then I'd be like, Oh, I see what they did. And then a lot of the stuff they cut out were the scenes that as I was reading, I was like, I hope they keep this. This would be awesome. And then of course it wasn't.
0: (laughs) No, it does. It makes sense. It makes sense. Okay. So what is you, you're doing all this writing. Do you, do you snack? Are you a snack and drink person while you're doing all this writing? What, what do we have beside us? I'm a drink person. I, I'm trying to like
2: clamp down on the snacking. (laughs) Otherwise you can just snack all day while you're like, like sometimes there are days I write for literally six hours. And if I were to snack that whole time, it would not, it would not be good. So I try to just eat at meals. Um, sometimes I will like have a snack after I've hiked or something, but I'm a big drink person. So I don't, I don't really drink alcohol that much, but I love teas. I love um, like pop, <laughs> like Diet Pepsi. So sometimes I like at the end of a writing hour, I get to go get like another Diet Pepsi Cherry or something, <laughs> like, or water, Crystal Light. Like I usually have three or four different drinks at a time, and it drives my husband crazy. But I'm like, you have to have options. Like you can't yeah. just one drink. <laughs> like, he's like, why can't use that water? He'll like go drink water out of the tap, and I'm like, you need ice. So I'm kind of. <laughs> Of like picky about my beverages, but I do love a good beverage.
0: I love that. Okay, I gotta ask you with so many books, what if what have you run into with fans that come up to you and talk about it? So they start talking about things in books. And I want to know, are you because a friend of mine met um Salvatore? And apparently he's very good at knowing what's in all of his books. I don't know if it's just a quirk he has. But he remembers, and I don't know if it's a photographic memory or a hurt your face. I just don't know. But she was really surprised because she was listening to people in line before her talking about things going all the way back in his series. And he was very, very familiar and could eloquently talk about it, where there's a lot of times I myself, people on this show, people come up and start talking about it. And we're like, yeah, (laughs) I must have done that. Yeah, let me. (laughs) Let me, yeah, let me, and then right when they leave, I'm like, oh, look this up. What are they talking about? Right? Like, oh, yeah. so what about you? Cause that's so much work in this world. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, there are moments of sheer panic
2: where I'm smiling woodenly like, oh, my gosh, what are they about to ask? I don't remember any of this um, there. I think right now I am bridging two series. So I had the Dragon Master Chilji and the Network series. And there's like 100 years between the two. And my readers wanted those 100 years covered. So I have a 10 book series. And I'm so in the world because now I'm trying to make sure that I'm I've, I'm setting up for the Network series so that it's really seamless but that everything that was done in the Dragon Master trilogy is also covered and answered. So I have to like just be in the world so much that it's pretty fresh in my mind. But there's another series after the network series called the Network Saga where someone was messaging me questions and I was like, oh my gosh, I do not remember this at all. And I have to go into like Vellum and just do a search and like I'll just type in some keywords what they said and I have to like remind myself. That happens all the time. And there have been times that like book signings or cons because I do a lot of book signings and cons that readers will ask, like, what about this or this or this? And normally in person, I can say that there's one time someone approached me and he was like, Hey, you said that there's a brick of magnesium in this pipe shop. What are you doing with that? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so luckily, it was over messenger. So I wasn't like deer in the headlights. And I was like, I'm pretty sure it's like used to light the pipes or whatever, like just a block of magnesium you can shave off. He's like, that's what, so I'm like frantically Googling, like, did I do something that doesn't make sense? Like, can you use like a brick and magnesium? You know, so then I'm like panicking, like, oh, my gosh. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, even if not, I'll just say there's some magical spell that lights it up. Like, I can get away with it as a fantasy author. But then I, so I just run back, I was like, yep, it's used for lighting the pipes. Like, I totally knew what I was talking about. And he's like, that's what I thought. And I was like, oh, gosh. Like <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yourself. Right? It's like this constant whatever. I do have several fans that I deeply love and honor and respect. But when I see their name in my inbox, I'm like, like oh gosh, I have to like prepare because I know what's coming. And I know they're gonna have like a detailed list of I read this and I read this and this is not correct, And what about this? And you said this here and you said this here. I was, so I'm like, I try to like take that and be like, thank you so much. This is really helpful. I can fix this. This is why this, this is why this. And then it keeps me on my toes as I write the books. Cause I know if I mess it up, they're oh, gonna gosh.
0: come back at me. And we've also- Who cre- should become beta readers? Hey, I'm yes. going to take you the book. Tell me all the inconsistencies. Go for it. I've done that before. And I actually,
2: we've created for my editing and beta reading team, we've created this spreadsheet. And it's a it's this gigantor spreadsheet that has this huge timeline um, and then a character list, a magic systems list, like a places list, so that they their job is to double check me. Like you said, this here, this magic system had this rule. You said this over here, this place was here, the castle did this. So we're and we have a wiki. So we're we're trying to like come up with a system to keep that updated, but that's a hard one to really land on unless you're paying someone dedicated hours to keep up with your wiki and magic and all that stuff, which you know, it's hard to kind of find sometimes too. So we're always playing around with that. And then sometimes I'll just be really honest. Like, I don't know, I'm going to have to go look it up.
0: No, and I think that's great. And guess what? Sometimes we can screw up and say things and it's not great, but that much work, especially, I mean, it's one thing if you're like, you really fucked it up in book two, but if you're on book 76 and you met, you know what, you get a, you get a pass. You get a pass (laughs) to go back. This was different in book four.
2: Cool, cool. but that's you as an author saying that. Readers have very different expectations, right? Oh no,
0: they totally do. I'm saying this to the readers that are listening now, like (laughs) half and break. We love you, we're trying, but sometimes it can't all be perfect. We can't remember every single fact of everything. Because, like for me right now, because I don't have nearly the breadth of work you do, I go back and listen to the audiobooks as I'm writing the next book in the series because I just go this is super easy. I'm just going to listen to it. I'll read, you know, but I can tell you, I'm sure there are details when I get to book five in this series that after I've listened to the four, that's a lot of time to listen to four books and then remember everything in the four books. And there could be an inconsistency who knows.
2: Yeah. I've done the same. Or if I just kind of need to stir some ideas, like what could I pull from? What have I not rounded out? I like doing that too. That really helps.
1: Yeah,
0: I agree. Okay. Bo, I'm giving you the last question, my darling. I was
1: nervous. What what is your best advice to writers who are just starting out?
2: Oh, this question. <laughs> <laughs> it changes every time I answer. It just depends on what I'm going through. I I just I really think the best advice is to keep writing, you know, like you d- you can't fix what you haven't written. And I also feel like this is crap advice because everyone says, <laughs> like, keep writing. But I think there's some importance behind how many authors are saying this, whether you're trying to like sell more books or you're just trying to actually get published, the answer is always write more. And this is coming from a person that sometimes writes six hours a day, like four, day, four to five days a week. So the writing needs to be the focus. And I wanna add to that and just say, like find that love of the process. I think the reason that I, this business model works for me and I love it so much is cuz I love the process of writing more than anything else. And and like seeing my world go out and like give people courage. Like when I get I get daily like multiple emails a day from readers that are like I just was diagnosed with cancer. I just lost my son. Uh, My daughter's in the hospital. Like, I had one reader just write and say, I was just given a terminal illness and I'm preparing to go home. And Alcara is helping comfort me on my way. I hope it's there when I die. Like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Like, well, you know, that kind of stuff hits hard. And when you love the process and, and the results from this, the writing is easy because you just want to get into that first draft or you want to edit and make the book beautiful or you wanna narrate and bring it to life a different way. Like when you can really focus on loving the process and not obsessing over sales or doing the next advertising thing or anything like that, you're gonna be so far above everyone that's getting distracted by fixing or cleaning out their fridge, right? Like whatever whatever it is, like love the process and then just write more and, and find a way to do that. That makes sense.
0: 1000%, okay. Katie, shameless self-promotion time. Tell people where to find you on socials and where to find your books.
2: Yeah. So katiecrossbooks.com is the best place to find me. There's a little box up there. You can put your email in and get the the ebook. My first book, Flame. It's the first book in the Dragon Master Trilogy. It's the best way to get into Alcara. You can start at Flame and just kind of zip through what I have one at a time. You can get it free. Check it out. There's also a free audiobook if you want that too, whether you like ebook or audio. And then at the top, there's a reading order list that will take you one at a time in the list that my readers have recommended you read it in. So they're like a little bit out of order because they've requested things at different times. That's really the best way to get into Alcara and just read through. And on my website, it's all discounted from the retailers and you actually can earn points. I call it Delta Sky Miles, but for books. So every single purchase, you like accrue points and then you get to do that for cash back or like a percentage off or if you're fur, So you can like start making more money for books from the beginning, which is really fun. And then I'm on all the retailers, but you don't get as great a price or the point, the Sky Miles for books um, that way. And then I'm on Instagram. It's at KCrossWriting or on Facebook. I have a group there called The Witchery. It's really fun if you want to come into The Witchery. Those are the best places to find me. And we have a lot of like ravenous Facebook, like fantasy readers. So we are your people. If you love epic magic and wild places, you should come check us out.
0: Wonderful. You have been so fantastic to have on the show. Thank you so much for being here. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. We had so much fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, guys. This has been Drinking With Authors. I've been your host, Erica Lance. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, review. We'd love to hear feedback. My amazing co-host has been Beau Lake with her flame on hair today. And our guest has been Katie Cross. And we'll see you guys next time.